I encourage you sometimes just put on some music without words. Does a lot of the music speak to you? Even use it as a place of worship. Does anyone outside of Dan, we use you as the uh, default, right? Does anyone know uh, the name of that song? No? no. Michelle, you can. You. Was it? No. I don't think so. No. no. Dan! And, then, and the, the melody is? Okay. So uh, a guy in 1950s-ish, I think, Aaron Copeland, uh, comes up with this composition of American music. Uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, score, if you will. One of the songs, he takes an old shaker hymn, and he just turns it right into this beautiful composition. And the name of the hymn is, uh, "'Tis a Gift to be Simple." Now, I don't know if you've, if you've heard that song. I mean, I, we used to sing all the time in elementary school and middle school. It was like a New York thing, but it was, it's a gift to be simple, it's a gift to be free, it's a gift to calm down where you ought to be. No? Woo! It's a beautiful, beautiful, simple song. We go to the first slide, please. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. Henry David Thoreau actually wrote. Simplicity. Um, life has been pretty complicated this week for me. Uh, I don't know if anyone else uh, has had a week or has weeks like me, but I, I just feel like this week particularly I was wearing so many roles, so many hats. Anyone get an amen? Anyone else? All right, I look back on my life this week. I'm like, all right, so I was a high school teacher. I was a pastor. I was a counselor. I was a friend. I was a carpenter. I got some bruises and cuts on my hands to, to show that. Um, a landscaper, most importantly, a husband. Father, but through all of that, interesting enough, um, I forgot. I forgot the simplicity of things. I forgot that above all else, the number one role that I play is a son of the Most High God. So I'm running all of these roles. I'm wearing all these hats, and I'm doing all this stuff. And life was flat out raw and chaotic. Anyone else have weeks like that? Anyone have months like that? Anyone have seasons like that? Anyone have a life like that? Ah. Ah. Yeah. I, 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 I listened to this song, and actually I was going to sleep with Naomi, and I put that on. I have it as like my sleep song, you know, like a moment before bed. She's like, oh, Daddy, this is a really nice song. Throughout this week, all this was going on, but uh, what was really interesting is in the midst of this week, we go to the next slide, it was a holiday. Bill alluded to it. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, happened uh, on September 20th. It is a biblical holiday that comes out of the Bible. Uh, but the, uh, you, you have to listen to last year's sermon to see how we went from Yom Teruah, the day of trumpet blasts, to now a happy new year. That was last year's sermon. The holiday itself is not the new year. It's found in Leviticus, and it is, well, the feast of the shouting, or the feast of the blowing of trumpets. And in the midst of this, it was just like this, boom, this wake-up call to simplicity. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, third book of the Bible, 
known as Ve'ikra. And God spoke. It has a little bit more power to it than Leviticus. What's that? Ve'ikra. The book where God is speaking. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23. We're not going to really learn too much out of it. Just so you know what's, what's going on here. Uh, verse 23 of chapter 23. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work, and you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Okay? And something that was commanded in Leviticus is also reiterated in Exodus and Deuteronomy, that you are to have a festival of blowing the shofar, or blowing the trumpet. And it's kind of like, well, what is this all about? Essentially, what we have here is the blowing of the trumpet is a sound of alarm. Because in the biblical context, after the blowing of the trumpet, what would follow suit is the next holiday, which is the 10 days of reflection or the 10 days of awe. In those 10 days, you are to reflect upon your sin, reflect about, about what you have done, how you've missed the mark, etc., etc. And at the very end of those 10 days is the capstone, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the priests would give a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. Okay? Now, obviously, Jesus comes, and there's a new sacrifice that's been slain, amen? But there's a lot of allegory there, right? All right, so the trumpet blast, this is the announcement of Jesus. Jesus comes onto the scene 2,000 years ago. I'm here! He brings forth an announcement of salvation. There's a preparation of people's hearts through his teachings, through the revelation of who he is. And finally, there is the death, the resurrection, the crucifixion of the bringing of the atonement. Okay? That's the connection there. But through all of this, this holiday, it meant something very different for me today. I'm going to try something here. So here is what's the trumpet. It's actually in Hebrew. It's a shofar made from a ram's horn. Let's see if we <clears throat> still got it. It's been a while. I was practicing a bit this morning. there you're going to hear that one day it's going to be a lot louder like you're going to hear that one day people and it's going to be a lot louder and you're going to hear it one day and the earth is going to be shaken and the graves are going to be open at the last and great day the final day of the trumpet blast is the trumpet blast of the shofar an announcement that the king of kings and the lord of lords is upon it to redeem his bride amen that's the sound you're going to hear. Wow. Uh, some people think maybe. It will be interesting to see that. We don't know. No one knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son of God. But some people think maybe it would. The announcement, right? The blow, the shofar blast, it would come in this season. A lot of people think that, actually. A lot of people think that. Now, I heard this this week at my parents' house because we get together for a Yom Teruah. We have a dinner. My dad blows the shofar. We talk, we reflect. When I heard it this year, I heard a sound of alarm of not necessarily repentance, but a sound of alarm of simplicity. It's a raw sound. There's like two notes, maybe that if you can get ahead of it, right? There's a rawness to it. There's an earthly kind of tangible, visceral kind of 
gutsy feel to it. It's to cut off the head of an animal. And there's a simple tone. So if we can go to the next slide here, I believe that the Lord is saying right now for us is a notion of simplicity. Simplicity, a thing that is plain, natural, or easy to understand. Straightforwardness, ease, easiness, effortlessness. What I believe here is that ultimately I know my life is not a simple life and I need to repent before the Lord of that. It's too chaotic. It's too busy. It's too crazy. It's not healthy. It's not spiritual. It's not right. The Lord wants us to live simple lives yes, that's true. Yeah. of ease, of rest, power coming forth from rest. The simplicity of the gospel is what is so powerful behind it. Jesus comes to redeem the relationship between man and God. And we have a tendency to make things very, very complicated. Yeah. Yes. Do this three-step plan in order to achieve this. Worship is this way with all these. You guys know what I'm saying because I've talked about it before. Life is supposed to be simple, easy, straightforward in the Lord. And I believe that many of us have forgotten this principle. And many of us in the West, with the trappings of everything, with the trappings of air conditioning, a building, and things falling apart, and children's ministry, and rugs, and this and that, and all this kind of stuff, we lost what it was all about, that there is a simplicity, a rawness of the sound of the shofar to follow Jesus. And everything else kind of comes around and clogs up the system. Next slide, please. Leonardo da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. The Old Testament was very complicated. Do this, don't do that, do it this way, all this kind of stuff, all these things that you have to do. In the New Testament, there's a simplicity that is there, that is of, of a sophistication. When we take complex things, we'll make them efficient and chill and making sense. There's a beauty to simplicity. There's a beauty in following Jesus in a simple way. So to live a simple life, uh, actually just yesterday we went to, uh, the next slide, went to pick pumpkins, it's amazing how the Lord just orchestrates all this, this was already in the slideshow before we did this, and we went to the, to the Amish, it was, it was, it was like such a spiritual experience for me, because I have like, on my bucket list, I will for one summer, it's on my bucket list, I will live with the Amish, I'm gonna do it, like it's something I've always wanted to do. I want to do it. Just live with them and see what it's like. I have a, a major appreciation for them. Major appreciation for them. With them? With them. I no, I want to with them. I want to be on their farm. I want to be like doing what they do. I want to be churning the butter, the whole thing. But we're walking around the pumpkin patch. There's these two Labrador retrievers, like no leash, just running around on the farm. My, my kids are walking. People are stepping in manure. You got these Amish kids that like are barefoot running around. Looks like they haven't bathed in a couple days, but it's all good because, you know, they're Amish, right? They live a simplistic life. The Amish in the 19th century, they saw the writing on the wall. They saw life was getting so complicated with the advancement of technology and the mechanization of work. And they saw that it wasn't that the machines were evil. It's that what it was going to do would bring evil. It would rip apart the family. It would rip apart community. People would just become numbers. They would just become robots. And people wouldn't work and have value to their work anymore. 
They said before they saw it, they said before it gets that far, we're stepping out. Now I'm not saying for us to be Amish here. I've been working on my wife for a while to move like out west and kind of live a quasi-Amish thing, but it hasn't happened, it's probably never gonna happen, but that's okay, because I love it. They saw it coming. They said, we're leaving that. Because we don't want that to come to us. We want simple lives. To be with our friends. To be with our family. To be with our God. To come together in community. To live with one another. To have meals together. To raise our children in the right way. To have a simple, pure, healthy life. And there are many of them... Because my mom, my mom is like Miss Warrior, Xena Warrior Princess. Like she's there and she's like sharing a gospel. And Amish ladies like, yeah, we're saved. And they're talking about all this kind of stuff. And the, many of them are believers. They're doing this because they saw that it was, it, was, it was an affront to their way of life in Christianity. So if we go to the next, next slide, it's beautiful. I mean, like building a home, building a barn, like the, the barn raising, the whole community comes together the women are cooking the guys are up there building together working together doing life together it's so beautiful so beautiful next slide we have another group of people known as the shakers that was the song the hymn is a gift to be simple it's a gift to be simple it's a gift to be free it's a gift to come down not be so haughty to come down in humility where we're ought to be it's a gift there's a freedom that comes in the simplicity of living now the shakers were known they got their name shaker because they were devout believers who were filled with the holy spirit just like the quakers originally they were filled so much with the presence of god that when they entered into worship they would shake in the presence of god that's where a Quaker comes from, like Quaker oats. Like people are going into the glory cloud and quaking in the presence of God. That was Ben Franklin's grandparents were like quaking in the presence. The shakers would shake in the presence of God because the Holy Ghost would just fall in their meetings so thickly. Now they got a little weird. The shakers began to teach like celibacy. So like you can get married, but you can't get involved in, in, in physical intercourse. So it's like, well, the shakers didn't really last very long. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, the history books over. They're like, well, that's why they died out. <laughs> they got weird. They got weird. A lot of, you know, look, religious movements sometimes can start out well and they get weird. Yeah, right. Well, they sure made a lot of furniture. Maybe they thought it was multiplying furniture. I don't know, but yeah. Have you ever heard like Shaker Design, like furniture, rocking chairs? People that live up in New England, you know, surely know of this, but maybe not around here. So let's, let's build a little bit more context to this. We read uh, in 1 Thessalonians. Okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 says this. It's one of those scripture verses that we don't cover too often. Fill the vats, right? Give me more. You own a thousand cattle on a thousand hill, give it to me. You like those scripture verses, but what about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11? That you may aspire to lead a quiet and simple life. Yes. Yes. This is, this is Paul. That we pray for you that you would live and lead a quiet and simple life to mind your own business. Yes. To work out with your own hands. 
as we commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. The prayer is to live simple, peaceful, unadulterated, relaxing lives, to work with your own hands. That's what we are calling you to, Paul says. Make an honest living. Not getting all caught up in stuff, right? Come on now, we need an amen on this. Pastor Ramon's back. I can give you a throwback. That's what I miss Pastor Ramon. I need some amens. And then people are like, amen. Like, right. It's awesome. We miss Pastor Ramon. He's not here. First Timothy chapter 2, in case you don't believe me. When things are reiterated, it's kind of like, well, let's pause and stop and... Okay, maybe there's something to this. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Therefore, I exalt, exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, simple, and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Quiet, peaceful, simple, not chaotic lives is the desire that the Lord has for you. Amen. Amen. There's not much stress there. Hmm. I believe people, particularly this generation that's coming up, are longing for a simple life. They just don't know how to even get it. This life, I'm telling you, as I teach high school kids, the next generation, even us that are around, it is so chaotic and so nutty. Kids are scheduled every moment of the day. They're being rushed off to this thing, then to this thing. It gives me heart palpitations just thinking about it. It's, it's not what the Lord wants. He wants us to be peaceful and live humble, simplistic lives. Not flashy lives. Simple life. So let, let's go on a little bit of a journey here. We go to the next slide. Have any of you seen this painting? Yes. I feel like it's like in every grandmother's house. Here, just a show of hands. Who has you've seen this somewhere? Or you're like, I've seen it. All right, there it is. It's in my grandmother's house. I kind of want one, honey. No? You don't like the hue of the... Uh, that's true. I told the guys at work, I'm waiting until I'm 40, and then I'm getting like the suede elbow patches on it. I gotta wait till 40. Uh, this painting is entitled Grace by Eric Enstrom, an American painter in 1918. Very famous painting, uh, but it's very bizarre. Uh, the, the guy couldn't sell the painting. He could not sell it. No one would buy it in his gallery. And in 1918, this guy walks into his gallery in Minnesota. He goes in and he's like touched by this painting. And he takes a photograph of it and he starts to make prints of it. And it goes all around the country. This thing sells like wildfire. I mean, everyone is buying it. Everyone is buying it. And so the artist, when, when it questioned, like, what, what was the deal with this photograph or rather this painting? He says, I wanted to make people conscious of the things they had instead of the things they had to do without. There is a man, an older man, bowing in prayer at a very simple wooden table. And all he's got in the frame of the picture is the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Bread. Gruel, according to the painter, and a knife. And a spoon. 
And he's bowing his head in thanksgiving that, oh, what you have given me. Now, what's so powerful is that he, re- he painted this years before 1918. But in 1918, the culture was ready for it. What happens here is 1918 is very quite uh, unbelievable. Uh, World War I ends. At that point, it was known as the Great War. The biggest war the world has ever seen. 14 million men killed. They call it the lost generation, tired generation of young men, gone. Go back to the towns of France, back to the towns of Germany, back to the towns of England. There was no one between the ages of 18 and 30, just they were gone. Then there were some, some maimed, some with PTSD, then you know what it was yet, people with shaking and people with missing limbs. It was the first mechanized war. First machine guns, first tank, first mustard gas. I mean, war just went to the next level. Now, after the war, or really at the end of the war, which is even crazier, is because of the trench warfare and the bacteria and the viruses and the feces and the blood and the guts that are sitting in the trenches, it was a great breeding ground for what is known today as the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu, right at the tail end of the war, went all around the world and killed 30 million plus. Twice the amount as the people that were killed in war. The devastation, the blood, was so bad that it gave birth to an influenza that kills 30 million people across planet Earth. And in 1918, a man comes walking into a town in Minnesota, probably a soldier, probably a veteran. He looks at the painting and it's like... Something to be thankful for. My generation saw hell, but I'm alive. I got the word of God. I got bread in my belly. I got gruel. I got water. And I have a roof over my head. And an entire culture, entire generation, it spoke to them because they just saw such devastation. There is power in the simplicity of giving thanks for those simple things that we have been given. Without a desire to have more. That created a purity of heart where people saw something in this painting. Now, this is very different than the world that you and I live in today. If you go to the next slide, I don't even know what time it is, but I feel like I probably should finish up soon. Got an amen on finishing up soon? Okay. No? No amen? Keep, oh, come on. I, the middle is saying that. The church secretary is saying keep going on. I need like someone else to say that. <laughs> keep on. Okay. Alan says keep going. My wife is always good. Okay. It's one of the most disturbing quotes. It's by an economist, J.K. Galbraith, one of America's uh, most important economists in the 1950s. 1950s, Dwight Eisenhower has a panel, the President of the United States, to sit down at a table, and he invites business leaders and economists together. And this is their economic plan, plan for the United States in 1953. Our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life. That we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals. That we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things consumed, burned up, replaced, and discarded at an ever-accelerating rate. Because if we do that, and we get people to buy more things, what's going to happen to the economy in the United States? It's going to flourish. Now, in 1953, World War II came to an end. The Korean War came to an end. And they were like, oh, no, we need production. And so what we're going to do is we're going to produce a consumption mentality in the United States where we will tap into your mind to get your spiritual satisfaction, 
your ego satisfaction in buying things. The world we live in right now, buy, buy, buy. You don't have to put it on credit card. Buy more things. Things fall apart. Things break down. This isn't nice enough. Let me get something better. It has all been designed for you in 1953. A World War I vet sitting at the table with his bread is not thinking like this. Do you know that washing machines, irons, microwaves, stoves, all that stuff is purposely designed to break down? Very good. Planned obsolescence or designed obsolescence is the term. You're like, oh man, they don't make things like they used to. Yeah, no kidding, because if they made things like they used to, you would have an iron for 30 years. Like we know it from the 1950s. There's design journals, there's business journals. I've studied this stuff in American history. They actually like, how long can we make a washing machine last and then break down so that another so they'll buy another one without losing the fact that, like, oh maybe I shouldn't buy this brand again. Like it's designed that way. To generate the economy. Well, what's really spooky here is we don't want people to live simple lives anymore. Simple lives are not affluent lives. We need to find a way for people to buy money on junk. And get into their mind that if they just buy a little bit more, they'll have higher value. If we live this type of lifestyle, obviously we're not living these simplistic lives that the Lord has for us, but we are essentially living a life of trying to promote a false image. False image of the middle class. This is what I have. This is what I kind of car I drive. This is the cool things that I can buy, etc., etc., etc. You're essentially generating a false image, and a false image is an image that you worship. A false image that you're worshiping is not the worshiping of the one true image, God. If we're building up these false images, like what? How do people perceive me? The stuff I have, the things that I do. The expectations that people have placed on me, Li- living and wearing all of these hats to prove to people that you're able to do it and be able to handle it, it's a false image. You are to have no false images before the Lord thy God. Only God. I want to live a simplistic life. I want to live a simple life that is a powerful life. It can be simple and powerful because simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. I can live a simple life and and not desire to be caught up in the busyness and the craziness of all of this. To be thankful for what I have and walking forward in the power of the gospel. We go to the next slide. Really what we need to have here in the church at large, particularly in the West, is a paradigm shift. Our complete way of thinking about things needs to change yesterday. Your little bubble that we all live in needs to be popped. You are not here to build up a kingdom of middle class America. You are here to promote the power of the gospel. You are not here to bring the kingdom of men. You're here to bring the kingdom of Jesus. Now if you are pushing forward on all those things, the Lord gives you a nice car, a nice job, amen. But to get caught up in that race, you're worshiping a false image that has been created for you in 1953 in the White House. And the entire world operates this way. Come on, man. I tell my kids at school, the first water bottle company to hit the market in the United States is Evian. Spell Evian backwards. Naive. When I was a kid, you you never thought, I'm not that old. Go to to the store and buy a bottle of water. Are you insane? No, just get from the tap. About three cents a gallon. 
Now you go and you gotta buy this kind of water. Or you get things, you're back in, back in my day, like you don't go to a coffee shop to get coffee, you buy some chock full of nuts, you buy some Folgers, pop it in the brewer, and you get it. Now I just have four bucks on a mocha, orange mocha frappuccino. Buy, 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 buy. We, we want not, right? Want, waste not, want not, man. What happened to our cultural identity back in the pilgrims, the Puritans? They want, waste not, want not. Now, waste more so you make more money for the man. Come on, it's, 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 it's disgusting. It is really, really disgusting. And if the world runs that way, so be it. But if the churches run that way, my goodness. We're so focused on our Starbucks cup, but we're not focused on the bringing the kingdom of Jesus. Go to Starbucks, spend that four bucks, but tell someone about Jesus. But we need to have the bubble popped, man. Look, this is, this is a disturbing question. We have the worship team come on now. Let, let's just be real for a moment. Be real. Be, just be real. This world has so much fakeness in it. The loss is so fake. It actually makes me want to vomit. Like, they're fake. And a lot of people in the church are fake. Be real with yourself right now. What is the goal of your life? Like, don't say me. Don't tell your spouse. Right now, what is really, really your goal? Be Jesus. All right. But let's peel back the layers a little bit. Let's look at your life. And when your life really pay a testament to, yeah, my goal in life is to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to preach Jesus. Is that really, really what your goal is? Or is your goal like, well, I really want to have a nice career so I can have nice things. And then on the side, I'll have a mistress. And that mistress will be Jesus. Who's your spouse? Who's your groom? The middle class vision or Jesus? a lot of people in the church who have a mistress on the side and his name is Jesus I'll go to him when I feel like it when the world when the thing I really am married to mammy and kingdoms of men are not doing it for me anymore I'll go over to my mistress Jesus I'll get a little emotional high from that and I'll return to the vomit yet again you're married you're enthroned the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's calling you to preach a message different than that paradigm right there. It's a message of the simplicity of the gospel. You're a sinner. You've turned away. But Jesus is here to provide an answer and he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to set you free from every addiction, everything that the world is trying to grab a hold of. I am telling you that there is a way, there is a truth, there is a life of the simplicity of the power of gospel. And it comes through surrender and submission to the power of God. How do we do this? It's very simple. Next and final slide. You have to let go and let God. You have to let go and let God. You have to let go in your finances and let God. You need to let go in your careers and let God. You got to let go in your relationships and let God. You got to let go of what you think you are and what you're about and you need to let God. And when you do that, God comes ushering in Romans chapter 8 that says, He who follow is led by the Spirit of God. They, they, they alone are the sons of God. Amen. We submit ourselves to the simplicity of the gospel. 
We sit down at our table, whether it's in a McMansion in Upper Bucks County or if it's a row home in Philadelphia, it doesn't matter. Simplicity is the status of the heart and the mind. It's not a thing of what you own or what you don't own. Can you sit down at that mahogany table or can you sit down at that plastic table? And can you sit down and say, Jesus, thank you for what you've given me today. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being the lover of my soul. And I surrender all things to you. You can take it all if need be. What it all comes down to, what it all comes down to is what is your goal? Your goal needs to be to usher in the kingdom of God. So that on that great and final day of the trumpet blast, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But I tell you, I want my co-workers and I want my family to be bowing before that blast. Because after that blast, it's too late. I want to be for that blast when they call upon the name of the Lord. But it's only going to happen when we put our attention and we put our value and we put our desires in the things of God and not the things of the world. I'm not saying it has to be radical, like moving out to a farm like the Amish or the Shakers, but cool. So how do you do it? The Thanksgiving, let it be a constant meditation upon your heart. You are thankful. You are thankful. You are thankful. Adopt the scriptures. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, man. Many of us take on the yoke of the world, which is controlling and forcing and heavy but the yoke of Jesus God's and his life because you're not worrying about the things of the world you're worrying about the things of the kingdom Romans 8 14 you don't have to go there because I already quoted it but you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit I'm putting in hardwood flooring my house. I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of crazy. I'm getting chaotic. It's not simplistic. Lord, come on. What's really valued? What's important? That this line is all flush with the wall? Is that what is really valuable in my life? Really? Really, Lord? I got to buy this stuff and buy that? Like, that's where my attention is on? Really? My attention is on this? My focus, my energy is on this silly stuff. If the vast majority of us would take just a sliver of the attention that we place on the things of the world, and we just ah, brought it to the things of the kingdom, this place would be exploded. Just a sliver. In closing, Psalm 131, beautiful psalm. The title of the psalm in my version is Simple Trust in the Lord. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. What? You're not concerning yourself with all these problems that are around? Nope, not concerning because this is a simple trust in the Lord. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, open the Lord from this time forth and forever. His spirit has been calmed. I don't know about you. I'm just being real with you guys. In my life, my spirit has not been calmed. 
It's been energized. It's been a doer, getting things done. Go, 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 go to the next, go to the next, go to the next. It has not been in a spirit of calmness and rest. Because the world has taught me a different way. The way of Jesus, like a nursing child that is being weaned by his mother, that comfort, that peace, that ease that is there. That's the life. That's the life he wants for you and I. And it can only come through thanksgiving, submission, and a focal point, focus on bringing the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. Why don't we stand? Father, our own people who most likely weren't even saved, they even said it. Henry David Thoreau, the great philosopher, simplify, simplify, simplify. Your word says it to live quiet, peaceful, simple lives. Father, it seems to be that in today's day and age, there is nothing of that. I'm just speaking for myself. Father, I pray that you show us how to do with less so that we can have more peace. Father, I pray right now that you show us how to be able to do with less or have less so that we can experience more of your spirit. Father, I pray that you return the same spirit that was on our grandparents who lived during the Great Depression. Who said, you know what, I don't need to have all this stuff. Waste not, want not. Let's live simple lives so we can focus on those things that matter. Love, peace, family. But Lord God, most importantly, above all else, the Spirit of God. Father, I pray right now that we would fulfill our destiny. We would fulfill our egos. We would fulfill our satisfaction and our spiritual satisfaction by walking as heirs of the promise as walking as sons and daughters who say you know what what it's all about it's all about King Jesus it's all about preaching the gospel it's all about showing love it's all about showing who you are to the lost father arise in us right now arise in us right now to release the spirit from our mouth the spirit from our lips to proclaim the gospel in love to show people a better way a better life as this generation cries out and calls out for more simple ways. When the technology and the phones and the computers and the movies and the cars and the homes and all of the wealth just doesn't seem to provide any happiness, Lord God. Let us have an answer. Let us have an answer in this generation. And the answer is His name is Jesus. Come to me all who are weary all who are heavy burdened for my yoke is easy and my burden is light it's not guys it's not just giving yourselves unto salvation it's what your life looks like now it's not what your life looks like right now how you walk it out oh There's a, there's a couple people, and there's nothing, nothing against you, but there's a couple people that I just look at 
When I see them, I'm like, man, they are peaceful people. And, I, and if, I, if I just recite your name, like, please, don't feel bad that your name wasn't given. So I feel what the Spirit is doing. If you Only if you feel comfortable, if you can come down and pray for those people who have a little, little bit of a war horse inside them that's been pacing back and forth. You calm people, if you can come and just pray for us. So I think, I think of calmness and I think of... So, Laura, only if you feel comfortable. Cynthia. Frank. Such, such humble, simple, calm spirits about them. My wife, Michelle, Kate. Sam. Like I said, only if you feel comfortable. Michael, the architect. Michael Hampton. Let's just see how this goes. If you just, if you feel this, you want some prayer for this? Come on down. If not, have a wonderful week. We'll have some refreshments downstairs. But if you want some prayer for the calming of the soul, here's some really wonderful people who have that. Oh, yeah.